Galatians chapter 5. Uh, today we're going to look at verses 16 all the way to 25, okay? So the, the latter half, the later half of chapter 5 of Galatians. Galatians is uh, kind of in the middle of the New Testament. Uh, it's right before Ephesians, right after, after 2 Corinthians. So if, you're at, if, you're at, if you see the Corinthians, just go one more book and you're, you are there. Uh, the title of the message is going to be Walk the Walk. Walk the Walk. So uh, today... Um, Sweet. I'm excited. You guys excited? Oh, you guys don't seem very excited. You guys excited? This is awesome. We get to come and hear from the living God today. He literally wants to speak something directly into your personal life. But the question today is, will you be willing to hear him? But uh, have you guys ever done something that was totally not what you really wanted to do? Have you guys ever done something like that? And then you have this thought right after of, why did I just do that? And then you do it again, and you're like, I didn't want to do it in the first place. I did it, and then I asked myself, why did I just do that? But then I just did it again. Have you guys ever experienced anything like that? This happens to me, at least on a weekly basis. I mean, but think about what, what is with this? Why am I doing things that me, personally, Joel, does not want to do, but yet I still do them? Or have you ever uh, not done something you really wanted to do? Like maybe the night before, you're like, I'm going to wake up early, I'm going to read my Bible, and it's going to be awesome. And then you wake up the next morning late, and you're like running to school because you're so late, right? And you're like, I wanted to do that, but it never happens. Like I really actually do, but it doesn't happen. And there's kind of this uh, fight uh, going on inside, and you're like, this is what I want to do, and why am I not doing this? Maybe uh, you keep talking back to your mom, and you're like, I know this gets me in trouble, I actually don't want to do this, but in the moment, why am I doing this? You guys know what I'm talking about? Anyone? Raise your hand if you can relate, because this happens to me, uh, seems like daily, or maybe, you know, you, you punch your little brother or call him names, and you're like, I actually like him, but then in the moment, why am I doing this, right? Or maybe it's even cussing for some of you, and you're at school, and you're like, when I'm not at school, I don't want to cuss, and I'm trying not to, and then when I get to school, all of a sudden, my mouth is full of filth. For hopefully that doesn't happen to all of you, or maybe uh, looking at something you shouldn't. And you're like, I know I shouldn't be doing this thing or looking at this thing, but I keep doing it. Well, today we're going to look at why this is. Why is there such this internal battle and struggle that we're doing things we don't want to do, we're not doing things we actually want to do? And Galatians 5 is going to answer that question and give us some direction. But uh, we, we kind of skipped the first 15 verses to get into what we're going to look at today, which is verse 16 through 25. Um, but Galatians chapter 5, uh, Paul kind of opens up the chapter, and he's talking about the freedom we have in Christ. He's saying, in Christ, you have freedom, that we're not bound to the law anymore. And within the church of Galatia, who he's writing to, uh, they were pushing people to do things that God really hadn't said that they had to do. And this was causing a lot of division. That people, if you look at verse 15, it says that people start to, started to bite and devour. Not, not like they were trying to bite each other, but they were, they were at each other's necks in a sense. That they were, there was causing this division. And he says, beware. He says, beware, because if you continue down this path, you're eventually going to consume and devour one another. And so he gives a direction in verse 16, where, where it's, which is where we're going to be. He says, so then walk in the spirit and this won't happen. The big idea today uh, or the theme throughout what we'll be looking at today is the, 
is that the reality is that you and I, we don't always do the things that we want to do, right? And sometimes we do things that we really don't want to do. And this is that battle uh, of the spirit of God within us and the flesh or the body that we live in. And so what's the deal? How does this change? How do we start to have the power to actually start to do the things we want to do and stop doing the things we don't want to do? Well, there's four words. This is where it all comes down to. This is the deal. Walk in the spirit. I want you guys to write that down uh, in capital letters, bold, all over your paper. Walk in the spirit. Let's pray to our God. God, we love you. We are so grateful for you and everything you've done. God, we pray as we look into your word today that you would teach us. God, give us direction and instruction. We want to hear from you, Lord. We ask that you would give us the strength, Lord, to be able to resist temptation. We ask that you would give us the strength to be able to accomplish what you desire in us. Lord, speak to us today and and encourage us, exhort us, and send us out Lord, different than we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Before we get into exactly verse 16 today, there's something I want to just establish and lay lay down. As believers, the Spirit of God lives in us, right? That the third person of the Trinity, God himself, uh, he's not a force. Sometimes when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of this like, ooh, Holy Spirit. No, God, it is the third person of the Trinity. He is, he is God himself and he lives in us, not physically, but spiritually, right? He's the spirit of God. And so there's this spiritual indwelling and it's kind of weird to us. It's kind of like, oh, this is crazy. But what is he doing in there? What's his job? What's his mission? Well, his job and his mission, why he's in us is because of a word that the Bible describes as sanctification, I know that might be hard, but I want you guys to write that down. Sanctification, S-A-N-C-T-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. It's a long word. Try your best. Sanctification. And you're like, well, what, what the heck is sanctification? Sanctification is a long word for the process of becoming more like Jesus. That's it. Sanctification is the process of the spirit in us making us molding us and shaping us to be more like Jesus. And it implies that there is a moving forward and there is a growth. That that is the Spirit's job. That's why he's in us. And yes, it is a process. When you get saved, you're not all of a sudden perfect and you're like Jesus. No, it takes a lifetime and then you're not even close until you get to heaven and the Bible says that we're glorified. So there's sanctification, which is a process. But then there's Two other words that the Bible describes, justification and glorification. You're like, wow, more big words. You see, justification happens instantaneous at the point of saving faith. Meaning when you put your faith in Jesus for the first time, the Bible says that you're justified, justification. It means that you're made right before God, that God would now look at you instantaneously, you're good, uh, you're at peace with God. But then sanctification is the process of the in-between time when we get saved and we go to heaven. And then we get to heaven and there's this word glorification, meaning God glorifies us. What does that mean? Well, it's also a process. Uh, Sorry, it's also, this is not a process. It happens instantaneous. At the time that we die or the time that we're raptured, instantaneous, we are glorified, meaning that 
God has sealed us and we're forever his and we're completely changed. However, you and I are in the middle right now. We're already justified. We're being sanctified and we will one day be glorified. And all three of these things are spiritual, but they do have physical implications, okay? So sanctification, process of being more like Jesus. So here's the deal. You can write that. Uh, Point number one, here is the deal. Galatians chapter five, verses 16 through 18. Let's read them together. Starting verse 16, he says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And so there are these two opposing things within us that make up our current state. It's the spirit versus the flesh. It is the fight of history. It's not just the fight of the century. It's the fight of history, that it's the flesh weighing in at 150 pounds or however much you weigh uh, versus the spirit who's weighing in at zero pounds because it's a spirit and doesn't weigh anything. But this is, this is the fight. It's the spirit versus the flesh. And we are completely connected with the spirit of God in us. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about how his spirit, when it comes in us, it, that it intertwines with our spirit and that that is who we really are, that we have the spirit of God who connects with us, and that's the spirit of God. But then you have over here the flesh. That's our sinful desires. That's our body where the Bible says that no good things dwell. And we can do one of two things. We can choose which one we will follow after on a moment-by-moment daily basis. We can either walk in the spirit or we can walk in the flesh, but it's impossible to do both. You guys hear me? It is impossible to do both simultaneously. Now it says walk in the spirit. And you're like, okay, do I just start walking and will the spirit catch up? Or how how does this work? Well, to walk, it means to live and behave. It means practicing a lifestyle. It implies this moving. Another way to put it, be let the spirit direct your life. It means to be controlled and regulated by God himself. That uh, it's, it's, it implies this continuing to, rock, to walk. Remember that Paul is writing to Galatians, who are the church there in Galatia, and he's writing to believers. And so they should already be walking with the Spirit of God, in the Spirit of God. And so he says, continue to walk. He says, be occupied with what God wants to do in your life. It's kind of like, does anyone watch football? NFL just started uh, not too long ago. College football started not too long ago. You guys know that the, the quarterback, he has a helmet on, right? Well, they do, they got all this fancy technology now, and the quarterback has a little kind of radio thing in his ear where the coach on the sidelines can give directions. You see, but what, what happens if the quarterback goes out there without his helmet. Number one, he's unprotected and he's gonna die, right? And number two, uh, he's not gonna be able to hear the directions from the coach. And you're like, okay, where, where are you going with this? You see, to walk in the spirit, number one, you have to be actually listening. You have to be conscious that, okay, God is here, God is in me, and God is speaking. Meaning you, you put on your helmet willing to listen. God, what do you desire? 
And he says, if you live a life like this, that, that you wake up in the morning, that you go throughout your day, and you're like, God, you just kind of remind yourself. You say, God, you're with me. I know that. God, God, you're speaking to me. You see, that is what it means to walk in the Spirit. And he says, if you do this, look at verse 16. He says, if you walk in the Spirit, then you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says, you won't be able to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Another way to put it is you will never allow the passions of your body to win as long as you are walking in the Spirit. He says, you won't fulfill to fulfill means to grant or to carry out. It means to make happen. Those things that you really don't want to do, but then you keep doing, you're doing those because your, your flesh is winning. That, that's what your flesh wants to do. That's what your sinful nature wants to do. But he says, if you just walk in the spirit, in the presence of God, aware that he's speaking, aware that he's, li- that he's talking to you and that he's there, he says, you will not fulfill. You won't make happen those things, you won't satisfy your sinful lust. Lust, it means a deep desire or that passion. It means that self-indulgence. I mean, that you're just gonna indulge what you desire when you want and you don't care who cares. But why? Why can't you do both? Why are these things so contrary to one another? Well, uh, have you guys ever tried to hold two things at once? Okay, sometimes you can, right? but with like a bigger object, you can't, you can't hold a soccer ball and a basketball in one hand at the same time, right? You gotta, you gotta kind of choose. Uh, you, you can't open your hand and close your hand at the same time. Take your hand and try to open it as it's closed, right? Now it's open, now it's closed. You can't do both at one time. You can't have uh, hot ice. You can't. You can't have hot ice. You can't have uh, frozen boiling water. It's just, it's just not, not possible that you can't do both. You can't please God and please your sin at the same time. They don't go together. And in fact, the Bible says, if you choose to please the Lord and walk in the spirit, he says, then when those things come up that your, that your flesh wants to do, he says, you won't do them because you'll be walking in the spirit. That one will be let down. They don't go together. That the desires of the flesh are sinful they don't match up with what the spirit desires, which is holiness. Against is the key word there. Look at verse 17. Do you see how it says the flesh lusts against the spirit? The key word is against, that they are opposed to each other, completely and fully opposed. It's kind of like uh, if you take the different poles of a magnet, right, and you try to put them together, they just kind of don't want it. You could shove them for a second, but they don't go. They don't match up. They don't align in fact, the spirit and the flesh, they are the complete opposite of one another. That if you're walking in the flesh, then you won't be doing what the spirit wants and desires. And if you're walking in the spirit, you won't be doing what the flesh wants and desires. That they are contrary. Do you see that word? Verse 17, contrary. It means that they're opposed to one another, that they are enemies, that they have hostility toward one another. And so if you walk in the spirit, those things that you don't want to do, guess what you won't be doing? Those things. Those, those things of the flesh says that so that you do not do the things that you wish. When it says the things that you wish, it's a, a person's desire or what, what he wants. That the, the, what the flesh wants when you walk in the spirit, those things won't be fulfilled. And we get a little insight from Jesus. 
In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, you guys can write it down. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Jesus says this. He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. He says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And how true is this? That you know the things that you're to do or not to do, uh, and you even want to please God. There's times, at least I go through this daily, that, that, the, that the spirit is so willing inside of you, like, man, I, I just want to do good. But the flesh is so weak. It's so weak. And so we end up giving in. This is what Romans chapter 7, uh, Paul talks about. I want to read it to you guys. You guys can write it down. Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. And then verses 24 through 25. But I want you guys to listen closely and, and, and think how relatable this is. He says, for what I am doing, he says, I do not understand. For what I will to do, he says, that I do not practice. But what I hate, he says, that I end up doing. If then I do what I will not to do, he says, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. He says this, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, he says, nothing good dwells. That in our flesh, outside of God's work in our life, we, nothing good dwells in our flesh. That someone who is not saved without the Spirit of God, there is nothing good in them and, except the fact that they are made in the image of God. He says, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform, how to actually do it, he says, I do not find. And he says, for the good that I will to do, he says, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. And he's trying to figure this out. It's like he's almost talking to himself. He's like, man, I don't get this. But then verse 24 and 25, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? But he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, Paul's bringing a distinction here between his true self. He's saying, this is what I really want renewed by the spirit of God, made new, right? That's that new creation, that life that God gives us. And, and he's saying, this is, this is actually me. But then I still, I still got to live in this. I still got to live in this. And there's nothing good in this body that it wants to sin, that it wants to displease God where sin remains. You see, it's been suggested before uh, throughout the centuries that the Christian in one sense, actually has a harder time than a non-Christian. Like, boy, I thought things are supposed to get easier when you're Christian. It's actually, in, in one sense, like this, that the unsaved man, uh, when he wants to do something, if someone who's, who, who doesn't have the Spirit of God in him, if he wants to do something, what does he do? He does it, right? And he doesn't think twice about it. He says, I want to do this, and so I'm going to do this. But there's times for you and me, in that moment, like, I really want to do this. Like, I would like to do this. But then the Spirit of God comes in and he says, no. He says, we're not to do that. He says, we represent Jesus. That, that, that is the old man. And he starts to kind of put the hand up for us. And we're like, man, this is tough. Now, the, the unsaved man has a lot of other things to deal with. But for us, there's this battle, right? And so verse 18 he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, then you are not under the law. Led, it means to be directed, 
to be willing to do something due to someone else's influence. He says, if you do this, then the law has no power. You see, you and I, uh, we don't have to follow God's laws for God's approval. And you're like, what? Meaning God has already approved of us, that he's already stamped us good with him. And so we don't do, we don't follow God because we're trying to get right with him, because we're trying uh, to get his approval in the sense of, of going to heaven or hell. You see, we are already justified past present, and all future sins. So then, so should we sin then? If, if we're not trying to earn God's approval, then should we sin? Well, of course not, because when that happened, that, that process of justification that happens instantly, when that happens, the Bible says that we're dead to sin, but alive to God. And why would we continue to pursue sin if that's what put Jesus on the cross? Why would we do that? We wouldn't. But when we do mess up, guys, and I want you to hear this. Everyone listen up. Sit up in your chair. When you guys mess up, which all of us do, including myself, please do not think that God is surprised. Don't think that he's up there and saying, dang it, he did it again, or she did it again. And now, now God hates you all of a sudden. Or now you're going to hell all of a sudden because you messed up. That's not God's view on you. You are, those things were already taken care of. Now, there, he knows that there is this process of sanctification, that we're going to mess up, that we're going to mess up. But the Bible says that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus to those that walk in the Spirit. And so just know, guys, you're going to mess up. I do every single day. I talk too harsh sometimes, uh, all kinds of things. I think things I shouldn't. We, we all go through this, but know that in that moment, God's not mad at you. God's not uh, now not wanting to uh, be with you. Do you understand? Super important. And so here's the deal. The spirit in us and our body's desires, they don't get along at all. That we are to walk according to the spirit. And if we do so, if we just consciously walk in what God wants for us and we're present uh, to his presence, then the flesh will have no power against us. But what does this look like? What does it look like to walk in the flesh? And what does it look like to walk in the spirit? Well, this next section uh, that he goes in, he, he displays. He says, hey, this is what it's like to walk in the flesh. And this is what kind of things happen. And these are the things produced when you walk in the spirit. Look at verses 19 through 23. You guys good? You following along? You get it? Spirit versus flesh? Pretty simple, right? He kind of hammers this point. But now he goes on, verse 19 through 23. And you can write down as your second point, here's what it looks like. Second, the first one was here's the deal. Second one is here's what it looks like. Verse 19, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident, meaning they are clearly seen. He says, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Kind of a long list, right? He says, these are the works of the flesh and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past that those who 
practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. There's some long list there, right? And, it, and he says, he says, here's what the, the works of the flesh look like. The works, meaning the acts or the deeds that this is what eventually, this is what happens. These are some of the things that happen as a result of following what our desires. And he says that they're evident. You guys can write down evident in your notes and put evident just means that they're clearly seen, that they're obvious or they're blatant, that we know these things are naturally wrong and evil. And no one has to tell you killing someone else is wrong. No one has to tell you that, um, that being envious and jealous of what someone else has is wrong. These are things that are obvious and innate in us. They're, they're blatant. And here's a display of what the flesh looks like. And so Paul, you can write it down. He goes on to list 17 different works of the flesh. 17. It's kind of a lot. And I'm just going to go through them and kind of let you guys know what each one of them are. Number one, and follow with me as I'm going down. Verse, uh, verse 19, he says, adultery. This relates only to a married person. Uh, it's to cheat or to have an affair or to be unfaithful to your spouse in any way. Adultery. He says, then fornication. This is any sexual act before you're married. God says this is a work of the flesh. He says, uncleanness. And no, it's not, he's not talking about if you don't take a shower, it's sin. Not what he's talking about. Now, you should probably take a shower because that's a good thing to do. But uncleanness, it means spiritual uncleanness. It's not a physical thing. Lewdness. Uh, lewdness means a self-abandonment or lack of control over yourself. It's an undisciplined and wasteful living. Have you guys ever heard of the, the prodigal son? You guys ever heard of that? In Luke, it was a parable where uh, he went out and he, and he spent all of his inheritance on, on prodigal living. It means that he just wasted it. He blew it. He went to Las Vegas and blew it on gambling and, and all this different stuff, right? Um, and that's lewdness. It's, it's not denying yourself anything. Whatever you want goes. That's lewdness. A five, he says, idolatry. It's worshiping anything else other than God. It's giving your life over to something other than the Lord. He says, sorcery. It's kind of funny with Halloween coming up. Sorcery. This is witchcraft in any form. Uh, so that means, uh, you know, uh, a Ouija board or something that has to do with darkness and calling upon uh, the demonic realm uh, to you in any form. Sorcery. But it's interesting because this word for sorcery also uh, in the Greek, the word is pharmakiai. Uh, it means uh, that's where we get the word pharmacy. So uh, that's where we get the word from, but it also can have to do with the abusing of drugs. I'm not sure if you guys know, uh, but drugs really do open uh, a door to the realm of dark things. That uh, in, in times past and still throughout the world, people use drugs to be able to uh, kind of get involved with the dark spiritual powers of demons. And so drugs are no joke. You guys are going to get older, and even now there, there might be temptations to do drugs, whether it's smoking weed or whatever it might be. But those things, guys, they're not just bad for your body and sin against God. They open the door to things you don't want to open to. Does that make sense? So if you're ever tempted to, remember that. You don't want to mess with it. 
sorcery. Uh, and then he says hatred. This is a deep, absolute hatred for someone. Uh, contentions. This is a bitter disagreement with someone that, that creates conflict, that bitterness. He says jealousies. This is the desire to have what someone else has. Outbursts of wrath. This is that temper uh, blowing up on someone, an outburst. He says selfish ambitions, to care about self without care of God or anyone else. He says dissensions, this is to create division and discord. Heresies, this is to create a group within a group. I mean, you're just trying to, you're just trying to separate God's people. God says it's a work of the flesh. This is envy. This is to when someone prospers and they have a lot of success, that you resent them. That you kind of look down on them. You're like, man, I can't believe that guy. When they're, when they're having good success and they're prospering in life. That's envy. Uh, murders. This is killing someone, uh, not just like in war, but killing someone with uh, malicious or uh, evil intent. Okay? Uh, drunkenness. This is drinking alcohol to the point of intoxication. God says it's sin and it's a work of the flesh. Revel- revelries. Uh, I can't say that word. Revel. Revelries, there you go, revelries. Uh, it's partying, it's partying. Basically partying hard uh, where lots of different evil things take place. All kinds of drugs and um, all kinds of things. But I like this. Look at, verse, look at verse 21. He says all, he's done with the list, but then he says, and the like. He says, and anything else that's even close or similar to this, to the, this similar nature or quality, God says it's a work of the flesh. And he says, I've told you, look at verse 21. He says, I've told you beforehand in times past, he's repeating and he's reminding. He says that these things, that if you practice these things, that big long list of different sexual acts, of different sorcery, uh, of, of, of doing drugs, of drunkenness, of outbursts of wrath, of trying to divide God's people. He says that people that practice, not, not, not that do and kind of slip up, but practice that this is a normal part of their life. He says, don't be deceived. He says, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, think about that. That God is king, that they won't become a citizen under God's kingdom. But I want you to notice something. That with this list of works of the flesh, notice that it's a work. That this is something our human nature just naturally is inclined to do. But I love the contrast here, guys. He's gonna bring a contrast where he says, these are the works of the flesh, which are evident. They're clearly seen. We know these things are bad. And these just happen. These happen by choices of, of without God involved, this is what mankind does. But now, in contrast, he says, but this is what the Spirit produces in your life. He says, the fruit of the Spirit. Do you see that? In verse 22, he kind of transitions and he says, but the fruit of the spirit is this, that, and the other. Fruit, it, it just means something that's produced, produced naturally. It's, it, it helps us to understand what he's talking about. It gives us a visual aid. Uh, does anyone have fruit trees at home? Different fruit trees, sweet. I've asked you that uh, before. Some of us do, some of us don't. Uh, but have you ever seen a tree, a fruit tree, like, trying really hard to produce its fruit, where you see the, the tree like tightening up and it's, and it's trying really hard? No, it does what it's supposed to do. Now, some trees are bad trees and you got to cut those down, but for the most part, you plant the seed, you water, and you bring sunshine, and what happens? 
the tree grows and the fruit grows, right? This is, this is a process. This is something that's produced naturally. It's produced, not manufactured. I want you guys to write that down. You see, what we're about to read is produced in us, not manufactured by us. Does that make sense? It's produced in us, not manufactured by us. This big long list of worth was things that we do, was things that we mess up in. But now, as you begin to walk in the Spirit, this is what God produces, not something that we have to manufacture. And so he goes on, and there's, he says that there's eight results. There's eight results, just how there's a lot, and he says uh, an infinite a number, basically, of works of the flesh. He says there's eight main things that God's Spirit is to produce in your life. Let's look at them. Look at verse 22. He first begins with love. This is a love for and toward others. He says joy. Uh, that this is that emotion of, of just great happiness and uh, pleasure that's, that's not dependent upon circumstances. That for you and I, that as we begin to walk in the spirit, that, that the, believer, the believer should have love, no doubt. That there should be a love for God, that there should be a love for other people. But there should also be a joy about the believer. Why? Because we have the Lord we, we get to go to heaven. I mean, there's, there's an infinite amount of reasons, but this is something that God's spirit begins to do in us. Even if you're, maybe your personality, you're just kind of more quiet and you're more somber. Uh, God, you see, can still do a work in that, that he can still give you joy uh, in that. It's not uh, based just upon your personality. He says, peace. This is a soundness or harmony, that it's uh, something that's based on the spirit. It's that inner peace. Uh, and it's not dependent upon like outward circumstances. I mean that it's not, okay, we got to like, uh, you know, get in the meditation position and then I can have inward peace. No, this is something the spirit does in us. Long suffering. Uh, this means patience, not, not the ability that you can wait a really long time. You're like, I have patience because I can wait in a line for a really long time. No, it's, it's how you act when you're waiting. It's how you act when you're waiting, that there is a calmness to you in the waiting. Pa- uh, patience, kindness, that's just warm-hearted and considerate, goodness, um, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, control over what you desire. And I don't know about you guys, but as I see this list, uh, it starts to convict me. Because if this is what God's spirit is to produce in me, as I read the list, I mean, look at it. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I know I'm not perfect in those areas. I know there's times where I'm not very patient. I know there's times where I'm not very loving. I know there's times where I'm freaking out and I'm not trusting in the peace of God. I know there's times where I'm complaining instead of having joy. And why? It's because I, at times I give into the flesh uh, too much. But how does your life mat- match up? Do you possess these things? Do these things that we, we, we just went over, do they define you? Uh, would someone say that you are loving? Think about it. If someone, just an outside source, whether you, a friend at school or someone that uh, knows you, would they say that you are loving? Would they, would they say that you are joyful? Would, would they say that you have peace? Would they describe you as patient? Would they describe you as kind? Is there just a goodness about who you are? Are you faithful? Are you gentle? Do you have control over yourself? You see, I know when I look at this list, it's easy to just kind of hang my head down and be like, man, 
I don't match up. But then I realize that this is something that I can't do. You guys, look, at, look back at the list in your Bibles, those eight things. I want you to see them. You cannot accomplish those things. It's not something that you can manufacture. It is something that the Spirit has to produce. You're actually not supposed to try to do these things. And you're like, what? You're supposed to walk with the Spirit of God. And when He speaks to you and when He, he, he does this work in you, that he produces this thing in you. And so uh, here's what it looks like. We see the, the, the list of the works of the flesh. We see the list of the fruit of the spirit. And the things the flesh desires are clearly evil, right? All those different things, clearly. But what the spirit produces in our life, if we walk with him, is something amazing. So what are we to do? What are we to do? The last uh, couple verses we'll look at. Here's what we are to do. That's the third point today. Here's what we are to do, verses 24 and 25. After this list, verse 24, he says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And he says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so Paul brings us back, and he, and he puts those two things again, the Spirit and the flesh, and, and our responsibility in this whole thing. And I want you to notice that Paul doesn't say, okay, you got to try really hard to be a more loving person. He doesn't say that you have to work up enough hype to just smile real big and, and think and let people think that you're joyful. He doesn't say, uh, do some kind of really calm meditation to get really, to find your inner peace. He doesn't say, um, he doesn't say do some breathing exercises to, to kind of help you with your patience. He doesn't say, uh, just practice smiling in the mirror to, be, to start to be more kind to people. He doesn't tell yourself, just uh, be a good person and, and just do that. You get the idea. He doesn't say try to do these things. He says, just walk in the Spirit. He says, those who are Christ. He's talking about possession, that you and I, we are Jesus's possession. And he says, you and I, we have crucified the flesh, our desires and our passions, the things that we're inclined to do. Uh, Romans 6, 11, I want to share a verse with you guys. He says this. He says, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon. He uses this word reckon. He says, reckon that you're dead to sin and you're alive to God. But I like this word because it means to consider and conclude. It means to have a process of reasoning that you're thinking about something and then you conclude with a logical result, meaning that we're to look at what Jesus did on the cross, and we're to see how we put our faith in him at one point, and then we're to have a view upon ourselves. We're to see ourselves as Joel, as whatever your name is, and we're to see ourselves, yep, I'm dead to sin, but I'm alive to God, that we're to reckon this to be true. And he says this, verse 25, he says, if we live in the Spirit, he says, let us also walk in the Spirit. He says, if we live, meaning this is conditional and dependent upon. He says that if you're actually a believer, not just a professor of Christianity, but a partaker in it, then he says, walk, walk in the Spirit, which we already talked about what that looks like. But Ephesians 5.18, it's very similar, but he uses a different word. 
You can write it down, Ephesians 5.18. He says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And so he says, he says don't be drunk with wine, a work, of the fle- a work of the flesh, which is dissipation, meaning that it's reckless and wasteful. But he says, in contrast, he says, just as you would be, in a sense, drunk, drunk with alcohol, he says, I want you to be filled with the Spirit meaning that I want you to be overtaken and controlled by what the Spirit wants to do. Just how someone who's drunk, they're kind of overtaken and now they're, they're guided because of the alcohol in their system and they're drunk. Now he's making a contrast that we are to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, not like when you see the word filled, it's not like when you fill a glass and there's only so much you can fill it, right? And then it just starts overflowing, 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 overflowing. You see, that's not the word here. When he says be filled with the Spirit, it's the word uh, as a sailboat would be pulling up its sails and the wind would fail, fill, man, I can't talk right now. When the, when the wind would fill the sails of the boat and then the boat would be able to go and it would have direction and it would give that power, that's the word filled here. That word in a sense, lift up our sails for the Holy Spirit to guide us. And we're to be filled with the Spirit and it's not hard to distinguish someone who walks in the flesh compared to someone who walks in the spirit. It's not. And so uh, we looked at what the deal was. We looked at what it looks like. And we looked at um, what we're to do about it. But guys, remember, the sanctification, it is a process. But there sh- it should be a process, meaning that there should be growth. That you should, day by day, look more like Jesus, but it won't happen overnight. And just to kind of conclude today, the spirit and flesh, they don't get along. That was clear. We can't please both at the same time. And we saw the works of the flesh, those were evident. And we saw uh, what the spirit produces in us, something we can never accomplish. But if I could encourage you guys uh, to walk in the spirit, you guys wrote those four four words down when we first started. But it's simply just to be aware of his direction. It's to listen when he speaks and it's to do what he says. And supernaturally, God will start making you more loving. God will supernaturally start to give you a peace. He'll supernaturally start to make you kind. Guys, I've experienced this from a a personal experience. I really have. I'm not sure what you guys think of me. I think I'm sort of nice. I think I could be a lot nicer. Uh, But trust me, at one point, I was not a very nice person. But God has done that. I, I, was not, I didn't have a lot of joy, but God has produced that in me. And as you walk with him, this will happen. At worship team, you guys can come up. I just want to encourage you guys, this whole walking in the spirit thing. Like, I don't know how to practically do this. I don't know how to practically put this into practice. Well, uh, here is a couple directions for you guys. Before you let your feet hit the ground, you guys sleep in beds, hopefully, maybe on a couch, maybe on the floor. But before, guys, you even get out of bed, just simply say, God, help me to walk in your spirit. Before you enter school, say, God, help me to walk in your spirit. Before you go to practice for whatever sport you might be doing, say, God, help me to walk in your spirit. In moments of frustration, say, God, help me to walk in your spirit. In moments of temptation. Say, God, help me to walk in your spirit. Before you go to bed, say, God, help me to walk in your spirit. 
tomorrow. I know I messed up a lot today, Lord, but tomorrow's a new day. Continue your work in me. Remember, guys, that in you, in your personal self, your flesh, nothing good dwells. But in him, all good things exist. And so, God, would you help us to walk in the Spirit this day? God, would you do a work in us today? Lord, we know uh, we're not where we should, but that we know that's the sin in us. Lord, we desire, Lord, our spirit is willing. We, we want you to do a work in us. God, we ask that you would uh, just help us to be aware that you are in us, that you are with us, that you are speaking. Lord, that in the moments of, uh, throughout our day, Lord, that we would walk with you, that we would live our life according to what you desire, that we would uh, be filled with your spirit, Lord, and you would make us, that you would produce in us love, that you would produce in us joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Lord, we don't have those things fully, perfectly. God, we know one day we will, Lord, but uh, we're still here. And so make us more like Jesus, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.